1: On this episode, Stephen Cato, the co-founder of the Toronto label Blocks Recording Club, which formed in 2003 and put out some very monumental records by people like Owen Pallet and the Barcelona Pavilion and Bob Wiseman and the Phonemes and Katie Stelmanis and Hank and a whole host of other people. I can't get into all of them, but uh, a lot of stuff has come out on the Blocks Recording Club and it's no more it's going to be no more very very soon Uh, May 9th uh, with a big show at the TransX so I I wanted to catch up with Steve and find out what's going on with him and and the label and why it's ending and where it began why it began even and so that's what you're going to hear this is myself Stephen Cato you're going to hear some music by Bob Wiseman and some other folks too probably so here you go myself and Stephen Cato This episode is brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas, or choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like. Calzones, wings, panzeratis, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread. Pizza Trocadero has it all. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph, or visit them online at trocaderoguelph.ca. That's T-R-O-K-A-D-E-R-O, G-U-E-L-P-H.ca. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Stephen Cato is a gentleman who was based in Toronto for many years and helped co-found the Blocks Recording Club of Toronto, a workers' cooperative that released more than 70 recordings since opening up in 2003. It was just announced that the Blocks Recording Club was shutting down operations, and they're going out with a big show at the Transac on the evening of May 9th, 2015, in Toronto, with a, a giant concert featuring among others nifty austra the barcelona pavilion bob wiseman the phonemes hank matthias ninja high school and special secret guests and here to talk about some of these things right now is steven cato hi steve how are you
2: i'm okay yeah it's been a long day but
1: i'm i'm doing fine what have you been up to today
2: uh lots of stuff to do with uh Closing down the co-op and, uh, uh, you know, preparing for this concert, uh, things like that. And a few, a few other elements of just sort of regular day-to-day business, like going by Art Metropole and dealing with, uh, you know, my work that's, that they have over at Art Metropole, things like that. So a little bit, a little bit of, uh, not block stuff and a little bit of block stuff today, um still actually working on some of the block stuff right now
1: actually. <laughs> that's uh well I mean it's not too late it's it's only uh, as we're speaking now it's Wednesday evening your show is on Saturday right?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of time.
1: There's a, in some ways in in terms of Toronto underground art time you have plenty of time.
2: Yeah, that's true. I I've, I've got a very full Thursday and Friday planned already. So I'm trying to get in ahead of the ahead of the uh the curve here.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. Now, uh, I'm not sure where to begin. Should we begin at the end here, where we're at, or should we go to the beginning in terms of how this thing started? Up
2: to, uh, up, up to you, I think. Um, I've done it. I've I've done a couple. I've been doing a lot of talking lately as well. So I've done it both ways lately. So it's um, yeah. I'm up for whatever.
1: Okay. Let's 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 talk about this announcement because. Uh, You are someone who co-founded this thing with, uh, uh, who was it with again? Mark McLean, right?
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Right. So you two founded this thing somewhere around 2003, and you lived in Toronto, and Blocks was a big deal in Toronto, and very exciting, you know, lots of great work. And then you went away, didn't you? You lived somewhere else. I, I lived in all kinds of
2: places. I lived in Los Angeles. I lived in Copenhagen. Yeah. What um, prompted I you? Did.
1: What prompted you to leave Toronto, the city that you seem to love?
2: I still love Toronto. Um, I left Toronto because because um, I, I, I had sort of reached a, an impasse, and I think as long as I, I stay uh, with my with my own work and in myself, and I think that uh, in some ways staying in Toronto could be very very comfortable for me and uh and so i needed to challenge myself and um try new things
1: okay okay so and and, and when you left you first went to los angeles
2: and i went for grad school so the challenge part was you know um real you know and straightforward like uh you know it's hard to get, to get a, a master's degree you know so it was like i challenged going challenge myself by undertaking a challenging course of
1: work. What, what was your um, what was your degree in?
2: Uh, I've got a Master of Fine Arts.
1: Oh fine visual art. art. Master yeah. of Fine Art, how hard can that be? It was pretty hard. <laughs> Sorry.
2: I it was, I, it was like <laughs> it was psychologically unbelievably grueling. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. And you did that in LA? I
2: did that in well just north of LA actually in Valencia. But um yeah, the, 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 I went to Cal Arts, and uh, on faculty there at the time were two people I was really anxious to study with, um, Alan Sekula and Michael Asher. Mm-hmm. Both of them have subsequently died, so it was really like a good time to go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If that's what you were after, um, because you certainly weren't going to get them after, you know, like, uh, like yeah, you couldn't go. You, I couldn't. I couldn't have gone and done it now, um, and. At that point, also, I had already sort of, just to keep this block centered, I had I had already sort of wound down some of my involvement in blocks. Like I had quit a bunch of the bands I was in. I had I was no longer the the president of the block's board, um, because blocks is a workers co-op. Right. Uh, So I had I had moved on from running things out front, and uh, was sort of a a member at large, an average member. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point as well. So other people were running the co-op effectively when I left as well. So it wasn't like I just dropped everything and took off. Like, um, you know, for most of 2007, other people were in charge.
1: Right, okay. So you left and the thing kept going. Uh, Talk about the the design of Blocks. So you mentioned that it's a cooperative. What does that idea mean to you? Why was it important for Blocks to be a co-op?
2: Well... On the one hand, there's there's some really practical parts about it. Like, loss was designed as uh, as an artist-led initiative, and so many things in the music business are these shadowy coalitions between you know musicians on the one hand, who make the material that goes out there and that people like, that audiences react to, Mm -hmm. and like music business people, who, and maybe because I'm a musician and an artist and a creative on the creative side of things, I'm just baffled that they exist in a way. Like, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I just don't understand what's in it for them. You so, know, I understand people being musicians and then, you know, deciding that, you know, I'm, I can't tour or whatever. I'll play music with my like friend band on the weekends and I'll devote my time to, you know, booking shows for people or whatever like, cause that's all I know or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I understand, I understand sort of uh, people who have, moved on from being musicians working in this capacity, but people who are just like, you know, I just live to book tours and be an entertainment lawyer or something like that. Like, I just don't get it.
1: Uh, Um, There's probably some uh, money in that.
2: I mean, sure, but there's money in like uh, oil pipelines, you know, like there's, there's easier ways to make a buck. Um, So I think that, you know, I, I, I'm, very confused. I'm very confused by that. I'm like, if you're, if, you know, like, uh, but whatever. That's, that's what these guys want to do. That's what they want to do. And that's how most record, most of the record business is structured. And so not seeing the need for it to be structured that way, I, I figured that having the artists themselves control the entire mechanism of the record releasing thing and to see what the mechanism is while doing it, that could only be a good thing. Uh, so that was, that was one side of it. And also uh, the hope for the record co-op, and, and I think that indeed the way that it worked for a little while, at least so far as I could tell, because um, I really lose track. At a certain point, I'm living in Europe, and I have no idea what's really going on, so you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. should talk to other people. But um, to I cover t- that I, period I, of activity. I, I, I,
1: I tried to get them on the line as well, Okay. But I haven't had much luck.
2: Fair enough. Uh, So the other good thing, and this did happen, you know, uh, during my involvement and for some time afterwards when I was aware of what was going on, is that when someone, I mean, someone like myself, for example, spends a lot of time and a lot of energy being the president of the board and running, running blocks in this way. And then you start to be tired. You know, you've worn yourself out as essentially a volunteer position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, there's someone else, there's another musician in that uh, body of people who has energy and has ideas and who can come and take your place. Right. And so it's a way for you to both work together, but also to support each other by sort of like, you know, alternating who takes this bullet of um, doing these various jobs that need doing. Like someone needs to be a treasurer on the board at blocks. And when all of those things, before we incorporated as a workers' co-op, all of those jobs are more or less incarnated inside me, and I shouldn't be the treasurer for anything. Um, I'm terrible at keeping track of stuff like that. So it's like, you know, the less of that, That I, and the person who took out, who when we incorporated became the treasurer, Matt McDonough, from the Creeping Nobodies, is, if anything, you know, fastidious.
1: Was, uh, was, he, a, var- w- was he a good treasurer?
2: You know, I think he was an accurate treasurer and a harsh but fair treasurer.
1: All right. Well, uh, interesting.
2: And the treasurer that I feel like we needed at the time. Uh, and, a tre- and a treasurer who, who uh, you know, made. A, you know, the, the, like ever, he, he's made. Um, he's maybe a controversial person and has made a lot of enemies for other things, but I don't think his job as treasurer of blocks was one of them.
1: Oh, you he, know? He has enemies?
2: Oh I I mean I don't want to talk shit no but I mean I'm just saying that like I mean I'm still friends with Matt for sure but
1: Oh wow this is He he so cool.
2: has a he, he has an argument style that that amps things up a lot and it cre- it's a incubator for certain kinds of con- it sets certain kinds of people off you know when you're dealing with groups of people 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 interact with each other you know it's not always um tea and biscuits you know
3: Mhm
2: mm-hmm. uh so that's that's, um, that's the good things about the workers co-op thing. My dreams for it were pretty, um, amazing. I had hoped that <laughs> by incorporating as a workers co-op, like so much of the, the model for funding a record label. And I had sort of come to understand how this worked in Canada. Most of the independent record labels are actually sort of like little wings of the government, essentially like, uh, an independent record label will have a distribution contract with a major label, so it'll, it'll be on one hand like a quasi-major label, and they will get direct this thing called direct board approval, which means that they essentially use government money to fund the development process for recordings. So like, you know, even records, and this and this works especially for records that sell, so a record like a Feist record or something like that, which everyone knows is going to do great, yeah. uh, all the recording is also paid for. So it's even be- it's a better. You know, I I don't begrudge anyone anything. That deal is amazing. If you're feist, that deal is incredible. Like, take it, go for it. You know, uh, get that direct board of approval. Since blocks was set up as a uh, not as a charity, but as a not for profit, like we had to have zero as a co-op. You have to have sort of zero at the end of the end of the year. Right. Um, we didn't qualify for factor at all. Because Factor wants to see that the record company is prosperous, and we as a record company appear to be nothing.
1: Yeah, there seems to be a, a lot of um, uh, confusion about Factor, a lot of disappointment about what it does, but I think it's, uh, well, in some cases, I think it's uh, a blind disappointment in terms of, like, it's it's a disappointment of what it is and not what it is doing, Um that makes any sense. It's, right. It's doing what it's set out to do, but people supposed don't... Supposed to do. Yeah, but people don't like what it's supposed to do. That's, I think, the issue, is that it's giving people... The argument against factor often is that, I think, that they're giving money to people who don't need money. They're already making money. Uh, but that, that's, I think... I'm, and that's what it's set up to do. It's set up to reward success, I think.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't have a problem... I mean, I, and I don't have a problem with that model. So what I was looking forward to pre-cooperative incorporation, looking into the beautiful cooperative future, was that instead of this purely monetary relationship, you know, where it's more this, where we make through incorporating as a co-op, make our lives easier by getting direct board approval and getting our record paid for by the government, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. for example, instead of that, how about We, through solidarity and uh, cooperation, frankly, with other workers' co-ops, get, like, great deals banking at our local credit union, uh, you know, interact with our food co op get a break on your grocery bills, you know, because everyone's got to eat, even if you don't actually have to put on a record this year, Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: you know? And so, like, I was hoping for, like, a larger pan-cooperative solidarity where we could take cultural workers and, you know, workers' workers, you know, farm workers, industrial workers, and we could all sort of work together through the vehicle of a larger cooperative movement, and, you know, we would make our lives easier, and we'd make their lives nicer, you know? Um, That was the dream. That was what I really wanted to have happen, and uh, that really didn't happen at all. Uh, The Cooperative (laughs) Secretary of Ontario would let us sign up, and they would let us, like, maybe send people for like a couple thousand dollars to like a cooperative retreat where we could maybe forge that alliance with like the bike co-op and the food co-op or whatever uh-huh. that would have like possibly Im- improved the relationships that we had. But we just didn't have a spare thousand or $2 dollars to send, you know, me and Matt McDonough and James Anderson who were at the time like the board to, you know, the co-op secretariat meetup and Wawa or whatever, you know, like, uh,
1: sure, sure. So, is that, so this, is, is, that, the, is that the downside of the cooperative, the kind of lack of resources, financial resources, or, or are there other downsides to the structure that you created with blocks?
2: Um, well, there's other downsides in that when enough people, if there isn't a, a consistent turnover within the membership, it gets hard to maintain any uh, activity within it at all. Right? So once... Uh, once enough bands, like bands that were super active. Oh, well, a good example actually is the Creeping Nobodies, for example. The Creeping Nobodies toured a lot, put out records, um, and were very involved in running, helping to run blocks as, as a group. Yeah. And then they experienced a pretty acrimonious split up. I don't know the details. In you know, in, I know the broad strokes, but I don't know the, the microscopic part. And then suddenly these people, although they care about blocks individually as individuals, they don't have a horse in the race. You know, they don't really have a band that's going to put out any records. Yeah, um, yeah. They care They care about blocks insofar as it's like relating to this back catalog that they feel really emotional about, but that back catalog's now just going to be back catalog for them, whatever they go on to do otherwise. So anyway, so you see how that would that would work out. And that's like, that happened with several bands. That happened with Ninja High School, that happened with, you know, which I was a part of, and which split up somewhat acrimoniously, you know, like there's, there's, um, all kinds, you know, th- that kind of thing happens because that's what happens in bands, you know, and that's a vulnerability, maybe not so much within the cooperative model, but within the cooperative model for bands.
1: I, I mean, I understand that there, uh, that part, part of what you did, you mentioned acrimony among some of the, the groups and, and within, uh, maybe even within the organization, it's a, an impassioned group of people coming together to make blocks um yeah. was it I'm trying to remember, was it a particularly controversial controversial initiative? I can't remember my my memories of blocks. I don't Bo- think so. No, I mean my memories of blocks really were uh capturing and championing Toronto, um as a as a hotbed yeah. hot of cool art. And I don't remember I, I don't remember there being acrimony.
2: There is I mean there are always I mean I think the thing is is that is that that acrimony was like, let, was why those bands would break up. Right? Like when Ninja High School was not, uh, you know, like there's a pre-acrimony period. There's a period where the creeping nobodies are not fighting and about to break up. Right, there's a sure. period where Ninja High School is not fighting and they're not breaking up. There's a period when people's lives have changed. They have different expectations. They don't want to go on the next tour because they're afraid the next tour will be like the last tour, you know, and uh, and their and their lives are in a different place than they were at another point in their lives. And so, you know, like for for example, like the most stable members of Blocks are people like Bob Wiseman, who's put out now more records on blocks than anyone. Bob Wiseman can't can only fight with Bob Wiseman so much.
3: Right, right.
2: <laughs> you know, like so he can direct any of his efforts inside the co-op to you know uh, dip, diplomacy. You know, his, he's he can be diplomatic with other people because he doesn't have to you know sort of like try and try and wrestle on two fronts um when when he feels like he's not being you know like if he feels like he's not being heard it's you know like 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 people this i i don't know i mean this happens in bands that are super friendly you know you just like when people have all this stuff on the line are you going to take time off work to go do this thing or not Mm -hmm. i don't know you know like it's it's people people feel powerfully about it But I mean, that is focusing on the negative aspects of that, for sure. Like the positive aspects of it are like, yeah, there was all this energy and we were trying to find a way to use this energy in a way that we could work where we can work together with it Um, and that and that that would show something different to the world than what they're used to seeing, A, in how musicians organize themselves and B, you know, what they think of Toronto, maybe.
1: I mean, this is where I'm I'm trying to get at here. What do you think is the legacy of blocks in terms of what it did for Toronto and what it reflected about Toronto?
2: I don't know. Um, I'm trying not to think about it too much right now. I think I think um, ask me in in a couple of years
1: why, how I think why, about it. I, is it too soon, or what do you mean? Uh, just just because
2: I'm working on this sort of you know final project and getting to, to uh, trying to put it in those terms might just, uh, you know, things might get carried away. Um, the, there's, on the one hand, I think that it's worth thinking about how concentrated the national media landscape is in the downtown neighborhood of Toronto, close to where we were doing all this stuff and how, you know, it looked like we were doing really important stuff, but our sales figures would bear out more that, like, we were important in Toronto.
3: Yeah, sure.
2: And it was a tale told in Toronto and sort of southeastern Ontario, because, like, we'd make it to Guelph fairly often. We'd make it, you know, like, we would we would get around in that area um, with regular Brampton, uh, Brantford, you know, Hamilton sometimes. But there would be... You know, like someone in Manitoba opening the Globe and Mail and seeing another article about blocks would just be, you know, lately I've been trying to put myself in their shoes and have them just be like, oh God, Toronto, shut up.
3: Right, right.
2: You know, um, whereas, and like I remember like weird controversial interactions with people in Montreal. Like I remember being, like I was naming the suburbs of Toronto that all the Montrealers in all these cool Montreal bands who were in this audience I was the Barcelona Pavilion show and I was naming where the suburbs of Toronto they were all from on the stage I was like you know like I was doing shout outs to the neighborhoods where the people who were actually in the room but were all like cool Montreal noise music people
1: oh you mean where they they were from in Ontario they'd moved away to Montreal and seemed to they lived
2: in Montreal and were like cool Montreal guys you know and and Ephraim from Godspeed was like you're not in Toronto anymore and I was like I know that you," you know like I was like 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 I might be the only one who's actually like keeping tabs like you know like we where you know like where where do you think you actually are um I don't know you so, know what I mean like I was like being really like agro toronto about it and uh and sort of rubbing it in people's faces now, um, now why
1: now why was that so in 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 2004 blocks put out a comp called toronto is the best and uh, yeah. in a media saturated Toronto is. Res- I think maybe I don't want to say it's justifiably resented, but a lot of people, a lot of people don't care. I about. Mean,
2: justifiable is justifiable is reasonable. I
1: think. Okay, so let let me let me just. The rest of Canada has earned that feeling of enmity. You know, we've had uh, all of us who aren't in Toronto. I've had Toronto shoved down our throats for. The entire time we've probably been alive in this country, you know, Toronto is so great, yeah. and all the culture from Toronto. Everyone lives in Toronto. If you're gonna make it in Canada, you gotta live in Toronto. Uh, we've been this has been hammered over our heads. So you come out in 2004 with this. Toronto is the best compilation, at a time where Toronto's art scene was having something. Maybe it, the Renaissance had already begun a couple years earlier in terms of music. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, being recognized outside of Toronto. But at the same time, this was a very cocky title, a very cocky gesture. Maybe at that point people were already, like, moving past Toronto. Why was it so important for you to assert Toronto's dominance in the world?
2: Well, on the one hand, I mean, I was a young, cocky guy. It was a young, cocky guy move by a young, cocky guy. Um, You know, I... Now, now I qualify almost every statement I make. Uh, So it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm different. You know, people change, people get older. But I think the thing that was the thing for me about Toronto was that people like all the things you said are true, but none of those things have to do with coming from Toronto. None of those things are actually celebrating Toronto itself. It's all about like, I'm from somewhere else. And what can Toronto do for me?
1: Sure. Right. Right. People coming. Right. That's true.
2: Go, and and that's not, you can't celebrate that. That's like, that's essentially like people celebrating themselves, um, by cutting, giving themselves a break and doing something for their career, you know, um, which, you know, no harm, no foul. Like, you know, you want to work in Canadian media, you want a job at the CBC or whatever. Like, this is how you're going to get it. You want to write for a major national Canadian newspaper? Like, don't kid yourself, you know, like go you know, at least at the time kind of before the internet allowed people to work from wherever, you know, where Glenn Greenwald does all this American investigative journalism from Brazil or whatever, but like, you know, uh, in, in, in that day and age, you know, actually showing your face and being around mattered more in, in those circles. And so people would move to Toronto, people would move to Toronto to go to school or whatever as well. And they're always moving to Toronto for, uh, something, something to help themselves. And, uh, and so coming from Toronto, you live in this world where everyone is like stopping by on their way to the top in what is like actually your hometown. And you grow up living there feeling like, uh, you know, they want to make it, but what is it that they're trying to actually make? Like, what is it at the end of the day? Right. and, and, you know, meanwhile you're just like actually trying to get a sandwich and go about your business at lunchtime or whatever, right? Like you're act like they're doing one thing and you're doing this other thing, and you just live there.
1: You were born, um, you were born and raised in Toronto. Uh,
2: once they amalgamated it, that's technically true. I was born in North York. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but post amalgamation, uh, that counts as Toronto now. <laughs> um, and so, like, in I, I was born and raised in the GTA, and. I, and it's not that the scene at Blocks was particularly local, local, you know, like Owens from Milton and so's Matt Collins and Greg's from Newfoundland and so's James Anderson and, you know, Matt McDonough's from Alberta and, you know, like everyone was in Toronto for, for and because of different things. And, you know, but Derek Westerholm's from Toronto and, and, uh, Val's from Toronto and, you know, anyway, so it's like, who's keeping track? I'm not, there's no point in having a score. Bob Wiseman's from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um... Magley's from Guelph. But um, there was this community in Toronto that was not related to, you know, that wasn't trying to get talk its Way into the Much Music video awards, you know, that was not in any way attempting to scale the sort of careerist wall in Toronto. Right. Um, was existing as something for people, like a locals only sort of culture, whether you were a local by birth or whether you had sort of, you know, moved in. Um and that was the best. Uh that was really great. And so this sort of small town version of Toronto that exists for an actual Toronto dweller, uh, that's never celebrated. You know, like the Toronto that's justifiably hated, I see it, I get it. I hate them too. I feel like they're as much a colonial presence in my Toronto as they feel like when they're like shoving themselves down your throat in Guelph or Winnipeg or
0: To get started visit plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: you right. know screw yeah. them
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and so on the one hand I know that it's like uh, gonna be provocative to the rest of Canada but uh, and I was being cocky but I was also feeling like you know come on give us a shot like do you like I know that the guys on on The bank, the banker is on Bay Street who ran the conservative party in Toronto and in Montreal for all those years who, you know, like ruined your fishery out east. Like, I know you hate us. Like, I get it. But like, you know, um, we're also just people who get by and we're having a really and we're doing something really wonderful here as as local people who live here. Whether or not those assholes are doing good or evil in the rest of the country, right? You know, yeah,
3: yeah, okay, so, yeah.
2: So it was it was trying to trying to sort of put ourselves out there for others in in a way that would be more positive.
1: Okay, when was the last time Blocks put out a record? Twenty thirteen, I think. And it was by whom? Uh, Nifty. Nifty was the the last record, twenty thirteen. So a couple mm-hmm. of, couple of years ago. And do you have? Mm -hmm. Any explanation as to uh, why that was the last record? I mean, why it slowed down?
2: You would have to talk to Matt Smith, who was in charge, who was the president um, at the time.
1: Since you've moved back to... Are you living back in Toronto now? Yeah, some of the time, yeah. Some of the time. Okay, so you're not... When you return to Toronto in whatever capacity you've returned in, you have not... Become part of the board again. You're not. You're an average blocks member.
2: I guess so. I mean, I hardly really do music anymore.
1: You don't even make music anymore. What do you primarily do? Art. Yeah. Okay. What do you miss? Do you miss doing music?
2: Oh yeah, I've started doing music more as a composer as well. Um. So it's a different workflow than being in bands. But um, like, I'm playing in Hamilton actually. Uh, the crawl
3: oh, okay. this, uh, Friday okay. uh,
2: In the, at the cathedral on James street. Oh, okay. So, um, nice. you know, if you're, if you're in the neighborhood, come by and check that out Friday. Um, I think starts at nine show starts at nine.
1: And what is that? Um, what, what, what will that consist of?
2: That's a large ensemble of people. Some of whom were people I met through blocks. Um, I have sort of a rotating cast of people who perform what is essentially like ultra minimalist music that I compose. Okay. That's, that's um and so like people like Colin Fisher's playing, um, Adam Litovitz, uh, who's in that band that new band Juge with Sukian Lee.
1: Right. I um, heard about them today, as a matter of fact.
2: Yeah, Steven Steven McLeod from Versus versus Versus, who you might know from Guelph. Yeah. Um uh, he's he's playing it with me as well. Um you know, people from blocks and, and Eras like that. Ian Russell, who was with play, played in John Ray in the River with me, and in, uh, in the One Hundred Dollars, mm-hmm. he's playing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Val Uhr, who was in the Creeping Nobody, she plays with me sometimes. Although she's not going to play this show, Matthias is playing the show, who was in Matthias and the Phonemes and all kinds of blocks related bands. Um,
1: this is all you're so, all you're, you know, like, you're all going to Hamilton to play this uh, together. Yeah,
2: about eight eight or ten people. Generally play Shaheen, who is in the singing saw shadow show with james anderson he um, he's in the band too, um, and some people from like yeah, the noise and experimental music community who who want to do this kind of thing they play with Ila Craig, um, Manny Mazanani from Gravitrons. Um, a bunch of people
1: okay so so you're getting back into music and and uh, you're you're helping to wrap up blocks, uh, as it stands, what, uh, can we expect on, on the 9th of May and on Saturday? Yeah. Like on Saturday, what happens at the blocks, uh, sort of retrospective event? And then also what becomes of the catalog? I mean, is it going to be available? Is anyone, has anyone been dealing with mail order in the last couple of years or anything like that?
2: Mail orders have fallen way behind, I understand the last couple of years, but I don't want to, don't want to I don't want to speak to that either because it'll just sound like I'm picking on i don't i don't I don't know the scoop I don't know what the deal is and I don't want to um I don't want to weigh in one way or another um, but as it stands uh in regards to the catalog the catalog has gone back to the artist so uh whatever happens will happen whatever they have arranged for themselves will happen um I know some people have you know, fully functioning band camp pages that represent their music to everyone else. Yeah. You know, yeah. On the internet, uh, there's lots of people have plenty of unsold material, you know, that, that was sitting in a vat at the blocks office and they can continue to sell that to people through their website. Should they so want, um, things like that, you know, lots of, lots of this stuff, uh, and in a way that's working, I think that works just fine in a way for this back catalog. That's all, that's all that could happen before. That's all that's going to happen now. There's like a, if, if we can in the next little while get like a, a link to every all the releases that are floating around on people's Bandcamp pages and have them referenced through the Blocks website or something like that. Anyone who wants that material can get it however they best want it. You know, Alex Lukaszewski set up a great, Bandcamp, the diskettes have done the same thing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so that material is all available. It's all out there um, for the most part. And, um, and it would be nice to have, you know. So, But other, otherwise, I think, like, the demand for that material is about, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, is about where it's at. Like, I imagine one or two people are interested in hearing what Ninja High School was like mm-hmm. uh, every so often, and they might stream that listen to that they might you know uh they might choose to buy one or two things one or two times a year and that's fine you know they can go ahead and do that
1: you wouldn't uh speak to its legacy because it's still close to you you're still working on stuff um to do with this upcoming event and uh, i don't know what else you're up to in terms of block stuff but is it possible for you to at least articulate your hope uh what you hope people remember about blocks or, or what they think of as we uh Enter its uh, last days.
2: Ah, it's a nice question. Um, I I don't know. I hope I, I hope that people think that you can think about things differently. I guess and see that people have tried doing that. And I think that there's one of the things that I re, that really upset me uh, coming up, growing up in Toronto, is that there would be zero. The, the, like the again like the internet wasn't there, and there were no um there were no published materials you could refer to you know you would look at a book about music of the eighties or something like that let's say, and it would all be about things going on totally elsewhere, you know like totally in New York or in London or whatever, mm-hmm. and you would not have any idea that there was like fifth column you wouldn't you would might know about shadowy men and a shadowy planet or something like that because of kids in the hall or whatever, but you would never know what was going on around that. You wouldn't know about the government, you know, Andy Patterson and all that. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, and there were no resources available. There was no material. And now there's a movie about Fifth column, you know, things like that.
1: Right. Right. And
2: I think, uh, and, and that's great. Um, I think that, um, it was, it was a, a lasting sore point for me that there was, uh, no way of excavating. You know, like I had I had also at some point in Blockless History uh, hoped to do sort of historical Toronto reissues and stuff like that to put that material back in people's hands or whatever, but there was no way to, well, there was no extra money and there was no way that, you know, these bands would get back together. There was no way these bands would, you know, um, join the co-op and and do any work around there. You know what I mean? So we would have to find some mechanism within our stated system of governments governance that that could even be possible and we'd have to find the money. So of course it was never going to happen. But, uh, the, I I was just sort of like stunned at how many times I had to reinvent wheels that I would only later find out had already been totally invented,
3: Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. you know, and that and that the community I, I was working in and that I liked and that I was working for uh, was part of a legacy of such communities, you know, uh, that had existed and that, you know, maybe still did exist in smaller forms or just, you know, within the minds and hearts of single individuals and stuff like that. And there was no way to find out who those people might be or what their opinions were or how they felt or, you know, why they were or weren't doing Active doing the things that they were or did do, you know. Right. Um, so I, I think I think what what my hope would be would be that somewhere along the line, there's some sort of uh, object, you know, and not directed by me or by anyone specifically involved in blocks or by their. Sense of you know um, duty or vanity or whatever, but by an interested third party in like just covering what ha- you know covering this material so so that other people who you know imagine can imagine things being different don't have to keep reinventing this wheel, you know, or understand that they're part of a, a historical situation.
1: I think there. I are, think
2: that's what my hope would be. There have you been know?
1: there have been glimpses. I feel like Toronto is. Uh, as people of our age your your age and my age uh, get into positions where they can write a book or or whatever create a, li- a large timeline for a local media outlet or whatever it is you know on yeah. their, on their blog or whatever there seems to be a lot more documentation or or at least retrospective stuff going on. I mean I even think of I, I believe blocks was mentioned at least. Somewhat in Stuart Berman's book about sort of the Arts and Crafts situation. Uh,
2: yeah, I think so. Sort of as like a—I didn't read the book, but I think we're kind of like a a weird counter argument to some. I don't know. Yes, yeah, like that. <laughs> I
1: don't. I don't know if it's framed as a counter argument. It's just that no, three, but I mean three like gut ga- a- three gut records was happening. Uh, arts and crafts yeah. was happening. Paper bag was happening. You guys were doing something different, but also kind of, you know, there's obviously a lot, it's a tangled web. There's so much crossover yeah. between some of the people, between all of the people involved in all of those things, uh, whether they are musicians on a particular label or, or whatever, you know, people putting on shows. I mean, if you look at every of the, if you look at the rosters, so to speak, of all of those labels or the people involved, there's a lot of stuff going on that was collaborative between the so-called you know cliques and sex and all that sort of stuff like everyone kind of worked together on some level
2: yeah sort of um
1: you felt you feel like you feel like blocks was on its on its own uh, trajectory I
2: i feel like there was like i feel like blocks was close to things like three gut and things like that you know like there was overlap there and like social and and sort of ties of friendship as well uh but I feel like some things, like, what's the Magneta Lane, you know? Like, what's that? Um, the band? Like, I don't see those people. Yeah, like, I don't see those people as part of a community at all. Like, okay. not to talk shit. I just don't, like, you know, like, I feel like there's, a, there's some things on some, on some, in some worlds where, uh, you know, and, and, and I think it's also interesting to think about things at the time. Like, at, at the moment, there's a lot of stuff that's been on Arts and Crafts that cause I think they're just kind of the last man standing in a way. Right. Sure. So I mean like sure. to talk about arts and crafts now is different than to talk about arts and crafts then. Um, cause now I'd say that like the, the clique aspect of it has dissolved and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a business that still functions. So it's a magnet for anyone who's still, still working, you know?
3: Yeah, um, sure. Like, yeah, sure. Field.
2: Whereas, whereas like at a certain point there was like an identity associated and there was like a position kind of thing, but like, right? I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that, that that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel, I feel like there was a polemical difference and there, the amount of uh, the amount of collaboration in some, in, in some realms was I think exaggerated. Um, you know, and if you look at, if you look at, You know, like, certainly, like, I, I, there's, many of my friends have put out records now on arts and crafts and things like that, and that's not, you know, that's not a problem for me in, in any respect, but, you know, the Steve Cato of 10 years ago would have been, like, a little pissed, I think. Sure,
1: sure. And it's, it's, uh, it's credibility, it's territoriality, almost, all kind of, there's a knot there of stuff going on.
2: Yeah, I, I, I I don't know, I, 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 I I don't want to talk shit because i I think it's really not worth it, but um you know there was i think at the time things weren't things weren't as chummy as all that, but you know since then everything's there's a lot of water that's moved under a lot of bridges you know sure. and uh and there's no point in uh living in the past
1: sure sure all right so we we the show happens may ninth and then you it's done. The co-op's done. The, the the yeah yeah. It's done, and then uh, it's it's up to everyone younger than us to fill the void. And <laughs> and, and and yeah. And, I mean, do you feel do you feel good about Toronto currently in terms of its arts? Yeah, scene? you
2: know, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that's good in Toronto. I think that there's a real estate price correction that needs to happen to, that would really help the arts.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Uh in Toronto, I think that there's like an economic situation that's like very arts unfriendly right now that is uh hamper it's keeping things quieter than it should be. But there's still great stuff. There's like bands like New Fries. Mm-hmm. Um like a couple of years ago, I, I liked a lot of the records that Daps put out, mm-hmm. you know, Slim Twig and uh Megan and US Girls and stuff like that and like uh Healing Power Records uh Carl Deiter, the work of Carl Deiter. Um, you know, there's like a million awesome and talented Matt Dunn. Um, there's all this amazing weirdo, Randy, uh, manmade Hill, all this amazing weirdo music that Toronto is making. And I think the other funny part is that like the, the true sort of internationalization of this stuff has actually occurred, you know, like, uh, I mean, Randy's very popular in certain kinds of, uh, you know, Man Made Hill is very popular in a certain sector of, like, the Toronto underground culture universe. But I imagine that, like, people on the internet also care about this.
3: Yeah, yeah. You
2: know? They're enjoying it from the internet, regardless of whether uh, Man Made Hill ever tours, regardless of, you know. So I think that's kind of... uh, I think technology has changed a lot of stuff as well, such that, like, the the, the sort of like really tangible embodied version of an underground scene where people would go to places and where you could just hang out in an area and you would eventually meet all the people. Right. If you just stayed there long enough, they'd all, everyone would drift by eventually. Yeah. Uh, That doesn't need to happen so much anymore. People have other ways of getting together and other ways of being, being together. Um, And, you know, that means that, like, that kid in Kenora or whatever doesn't have to painfully mail order a record. Blox puts out, you know, f- via some semi-corrupt distribution channel, you know, <laughs> that skims a bunch off the top and it drifts to the music world eventually, and then they have to go pick up their special order to know anything about, you know, this music that they heard on Brave New Waves that maybe they like. Right. You know, like, they've already acquired it. They downloaded it when they found it, found out they liked it. And, you know, that kid in Kenora via, you know, just watching YouTube videos of a record, you know, all those videos where someone owns a rare record, they just show you them playing the rare record on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I would have killed for that as a young person learning about music. You know, like, all my curiosity could be, like, satisfied instantly. I'd be like, do I like Perubu? Like, I had to wait years to find out if I liked Perubu based on when I first heard of Perubu. Yeah. And I lived in Toronto. Like, imagine living in Kenora. You know, like imagine how long that would take you to find, unless someone ditched a bunch of Perubu records at the thrift store and they sat there for 10 years, you know, until you stumbled onto them, which is another thing that could happen in Kenora. Right. Um, so it's like, but like if, if that second wondrous event hadn't occurred, yeah, you'd wait till you eventually moved to Toronto or, you know, went down to St. Paul, you know, Minnesota to like go to a record store or whatever, you know, like, good luck getting it at the music world at the strip mall, you know? Um, so I, I, I think that like, uh, the, the, you know, it's one thing to complain about it. And it it certainly has like affected the texture of like what a music community is like, but at the same time, it's, uh, I think it's sort of doing its job in, in some respects. And, you know, so like, A, there's an unfriendly economic situation in Toronto for the arts right now, for sure. But B, there's also, uh, you know, the texture of art socializing has changed because the internet has made it so easy to share over such a large distance. Mm
3: -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. Um, And so more people are probably involved in that conversation from afar. I mean, like, I've been out of the country for a while and I know about these things. And like this music I care about, I'm like, I still feel associated to it. um, Even if it's, you know... Even if I'm not necessarily physically present on the ground,
1: right, right. All right, so you're feeling like good. You're feeling good. You're feeling like uh, Toronto is connected to the world, and people are around the world are connected to Toronto, and there's a lot of promising stuff going on, and and we'll celebrate. Yeah, there's
2: great music in Toronto.
1: Yeah, and we'll celebrate some of that at the Transac on uh, May ninth. On the ninth. Uh, which uh, the yeah. tr- Transac is two ninety two Brunswick. Uh, uh, Avenue, which is basically uh, Bloor, Bloor in Brunswick. And the bands playing this final concert uh, are Nifty, Austra, the Barcelona Pavilion, Bob Wiseman, the Phonemes, Hank, Matias, Ninja High School, and Unnameable Special guest. Stephen, is there any hint you can give us about the special guest?
2: Oh, yeah, that's Mouche. I'll tell you right now. That's Mouche.
1: <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. This is uh, Owen Pallet's. Yeah. Group. Yeah, okay. Yeah, his old band playing old songs. Okay, that's great. Uh, playing,
2: right. so, pl- playing the songs that were released on their, their two blocks LP, uh, records.
1: And who's, who else is in Les Mouches?
2: Uh, Matt Smith and Rob Gordon, who so, are Owen's current backing band as well. Like, right. It's not, it's not so <laughs> crazy that they're together, but they don't play that material anymore.
1: Right. That's kind of so nice. That's great. That's great. So it's going to be fun. And when do when things yeah. start? Six. Six p.m. Okay. Doors are at
2: six. Yeah,
1: and, and things how, have to be
2: over kind of early at the transact, so we're getting getting going early.
1: Okay, cool. All right, so people can get more info about that. Uh, where is there a blocks? There's a blocks. There's
2: a, there's a Facebook thing. The blocks website just has sort of like a 2003 to 2015 headstone on it. Oh, there's nothing really up there. There's right nothing now. there.
1: So just look for it on Facebook or something. Yeah,
2: sure. We're going. We're undergoing a redesign process.
1: Okay. Now, is there a song? uh that we can go out on that uh represents blocks in some way
2: Do you have them all at your fingertips?
1: Well, if I don't, I'm sure you could send me a, an MP3 or something, right?
2: Uh, I guess that's possible. Yeah, um if you have it. I I I am I I might not actually have it all at my fingertips. <laughs> it might all be in a box at the Transact Club right now. Yeah. Um Oh, yeah. what what side of well, what side of blocks do you do you are you most interested in hearing? How about that? Like, cause there's a few different sectors.
1: Yeah, I'm always a tremendous fan of anything that Bob Wiseman does, and I will just say that. So, um, oh, so you should play.
2: We should play something from one of his four records that Blocks put out.
1: Yeah. So which one? Which should we play here? Me
2: I mean, you could go all the way back to like Wrench Tuttle. Yeah, so that's like. Uh, it's a reissue but it's like a a classic Um,
1: is this most recent record on the uh, on blocks I think it is right it would be yeah I think so is it Julietta Messina at the Oscars crying yeah that's it something like that yeah maybe we should play a song from that Uh, yeah that
2: would be that would actually be the best maybe
1: is it why Neil
2: Young at the Junos
1: yeah Neil Young at the Junos maybe we should play that
2: yeah, say that.
1: Okay, so this is Bob Wiseman with Neil Young at the Juno. Stephen Cato, it's uh, nice to speak with you again. It's been a while. and uh,
2: Yeah, a real pleasure. It's been a long time.
1: Yeah, thanks for being on the show, and good luck with uh, both uh, this Blocks event and everything else that you do. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, wonderful to talk to you. <laughs>
4: Flavor Love